Hi there. I am so excited to invite you to attend our fourth annual free virtual special education and advocacy conference. We are hosting it here at Ashley Barlow Company in partnership with Rebecca Poe Teaching. And we are so excited for a few new things at this year's conference. The first new thing is that we have not just one, but two different tracks for attendance. For the first time ever, we have created a track that is specific for school staff and teachers. We also still have that traditional track that we intend to be really great for parents and caregivers in the IEP arena. So yes, we have a teacher track and a parent track. On that teacher track, you are going to learn about things like easier data collection, gestalt language processing, behavior reading, and other super hot topics in special education practice, as well as advocacy. On the teacher and caregiver track, you're going to learn about stress management for caregivers using adaptive books, something that I have really kind of um, dove into here at my own house, inclusion advocacy, advocacy strategies, and so, so much more. That free ticket will give you one pass, one access to one presentation per hour on the track that you choose, either that teacher track or the parent track. Of course, if you are not available on January 19th or January 20th when the conference is taking place, you can buy tickets to access the conference on demand. And those tickets, of course, are available at our website, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference slash 2024. Check out the website for more information about ticketing. This year, we also have something super exciting planned. We have decided to make this a two-day event. When I partnered with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I told her that I really feel like school districts, disability organizations, and other community organizations need to start providing trainings that are accessible to teachers, related service providers, administrators, parents and caregivers, and other community members that are interested in IEP support. What if we all attended the same training? What if we all learned information about special education practice, curriculum, how to read evaluations, that kind of stuff, about special education advocacy, how we can collaborate more, how we can work together, and even about special education laws. What if we all attended those presentations and we workshopped them together? So together with Rebecca Poteaching, I have created the Empowered Workshop Series, and we are excited to bring it to your organization or school in 2024 and beyond. If you are interested in having Rebecca and I bring a workshop to you, you can see a preview of the Empowered Workshops on January 19th, the Friday before our main conference programming. For more information about that, either send me a DM or check out the website, again, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi everyone, welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company Podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, 
A teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Before we get started with today's episode, I am so excited to talk to you about the course that I am launching this month. The ABC course is going to be open for registration on October 15th. This course is called Advocacy, Business, and Concepts in Special Education. I can't wait to tell you about it because so many of you and so many of my clients and friends have said, I want to do what you do. I want to be a special education advocate. And I have dreamed about making a course for special education advocates for years. I've done it and I can't wait to share it with you later this month. Advocacy, Business, and Concepts in Special Education is an online training course that teaches you everything you need to know to get started and to grow as a special education advocate. Advocacy strategies, business development and operation tips, and closer looks at topics in special education content. While everybody else is spinning their wheels, dreaming of a way to actually help students in special education, you'll be making a difference, earning money, and actually controlling your destiny. I can't wait for you to join me in this ABC class, and I really can't wait to share more with you on October 15th. Welcome back to the Special Education Advocacy Podcast with Ashley Barlow. I'm Ashley Barlow, and I'm so happy you're here. I can't wait to introduce you to today's podcast guest. We are talking to Carla Warsh. Carla is a Marine Corps spouse and a mother of two. She has devoted her career to educating and advocating for children with disabilities. After graduating from college, she took a non-traditional path in education, working at a residential treatment facility for children, the Cleveland Clinic Children's Learner School for Autism and then aboard several military installations before making her way back into the classroom where she taught children with autism and other developmental disabilities. Currently, she is a substitute teacher in Japan and a contributor for Partners in Promise, a nonprofit that is working to protect the rights of military children in special education. In addition to contributing to Partners in Promise, Carla also contributes and reviews articles and resources for the organization with Autism Research. Carla and I talk all things special education. She gives us a really good and important look at special education and military families, and we talk about important topics in special education. I really hope that you enjoy this episode. Hey, Carla, thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Ashley, it's so good to join you from Japan. I know you are our first podcast guest that is located in Japan for the interview. Um, That's a great place to start. Why don't you tell us all about yourself, including why you're in Japan? 
Um, so we are in Japan. Um, we are military and we are actually here for the second time. Um, we've lived in Arizona, North Carolina, Virginia, and Japan. Um, and so we are back here. Uh, I'm a special ed teacher. Currently, I am subbing at the Dodea School on base, but I've taken kind of a wild ride in special ed working in um, residential facilities, private schools, public schools on base. So I'm kind of a hodgepodge, but it, it has brought a great wealth of knowledge and experiences. Yeah, and I think that's what um, is so interesting and the reason why we need to do episodes on issues that affect the military, because I would imagine that one of the reasons why you've taken this circuitous journey through special education really kind of relates to the fact that you're moving quite frequently, right? Right, yeah. So, you know, an interesting fact is that um, military kids move two to three times as as much as like their typical peer. So they're, you know, by the time they're a senior in high school, they could have been in six or nine schools. So that, you know, that alone, in addition to all the other factors, um, can really cause stress on the family, but also on the, ch on the child, especially if they're on an IEP. And military spouses are the same way. And so to get a job from state to state and to update your license and all of that stuff, I know is, um, is also quite a hassle. Um, and it might be an unnecessary hassle. Um, but, you know, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say to you, thank you to you and to your husband for his service and to your family for, um, for your commitment to keeping us nice and safe. You're welcome. We love it. Um, <laughs> and that's, you have to love it. It is definitely a lifestyle. So I went to, um, kind of dive into that military um, issue because that's the topic for today. And you okay. shared that you are working as a sub at a Dodea school. Why don't mm -hmm. we start off by just kind of explaining what Dodea, what Dodea is? Sure, so um, I'm actually waiting for my offer letter still. So any day now, hopefully uh, that and then childcare. But um, Dodea, um, Something interesting, I know a lot of people are confused what Dodea is. They might think it's a private school um, or like a charter school, but it's not, it's its, its own entity. And um, I'm gonna get this right. Cause it's under like who it's under. It's like the department of the secretary. I took a note here and now I'm not gonna be able to find it, but um, <laughs> oh, it's here. Dodea is a field activity aligned under the office of the undersecretary of defense personal and readiness. So that sounds like super, you know, complicated, but really it's its own entity. It's its own school district, essentially. And so I think what it stands for, doesn't it stand for Department of Defense Education? Activity. 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 Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. within the Department of Defense, and I mean, generally, would you say that Dodea schools are um, just schools um, that are available to people that are enlisted in the military and stationed someplace other than in the United States. So the, the interesting fact, um, Dodea, they, they do have stateside schools. Um, they're oh. in 11 foreign countries, seven states, and two territories. So another interesting. Yeah. So the thing is, though, like when we were in Arizona, um, 
in Yuma, there is not a Dodea school on base in Yuma. But if you go somewhere like Camp Pendleton or in North Carolina um, at Camp Lejeune, there are um, Dodea schools on those bases. Here in Japan, um, because there really isn't another American option, most kids, um, I would say OCONUS or outside the continental United States, they typically attend the Dodea school on base. Right. Okay. Got it. And mm -hmm. if you are um, in, if you are in the United States, well, I guess anywhere, you have an option to live on base or off of base. Does that, Correct. does where you live affect your ability to go to a Dodea school or no? Do you have to live um, on base? You have to live at, oh gosh, gee, I should have, I, I don't know. I'm going to say, I know it's like zoning. So I'm almost a hundred percent positive in North Carolina. Carolina, say Camp Lejeune, and Aaron, I wish Aaron, we could phone a friend, because I, I call up Aaron, <laughs> and Aaron but um, you, um, you do have to live on base, 99% sure, because it's based on zoning, so just like if um, yeah. I lived out in town, you know, in Kentucky, I would have a home school. Okay, got it, so I guess then that kind of begs the question about school choice, so sure. do most children um, with enlisted family members attend Dodea schools? Like kind of what factors do they use to weigh in the school choice? Sure, so again, it's just gonna be like any other school. Like as a parent, you're gonna do your research. Um, and, and for school, like in, again, I'll, I'll reference Yuma because we live there. If you live on base in Yuma, there is not um, a Dodea school. However, base is zoned for a specific school. So you're going to choose your location based on the school district you want your child to attend, the services that that school district has available to you. So say um, you really wanna live on base, but you know that there's you know, a, a school that has a really great autism program or, or has services for your child that you think that um, would be a better fit, you would probably choose to live off base closer to that school. Um, but there are things, um, again, referencing Yuma, because that's my point of reference, um, they have an empowerment scholarship. So that's open to any residents, not just military families, but the military families can use that scholarship to attend a private school or for homeschooling. So oh, that's like that interesting. Available. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So really, I mean, it sounds like it's um, just another school choice that's available to you and you just kind of weigh the Dodea school in when you're also thinking about the other schools in the region and that uh -huh. might also drive kind of where you decide to live once you get um, the assignment to live in a certain region. Yeah, a hundred percent and you know an interesting fact because obviously I'm a nerd and I was doing all this kind of research before I, I know I sent you all of my notes but um, I think I'm going to look again just to make sure but it was um, of the like over a million military connected kids roughly like 60,000 attend Odea schools oh, so wow. that I mean that's a good chunk but that there's also a significant chunk that are in public they don't mm -hmm. yeah so children that are in Dodea schools um, are able to get IEPs. I know that fact. Um, uh -huh. I don't even have to ask you that question. I know that's right. true. Um, and so um, eligibility. So yep. in order to become eligible for an IEP at a Dodea school, um, is the process the same as it is in a public school in America? Yep, 100% um, the same. So um, 
um, as you know, IDEA is federal law. So DODEA has to follow IDEA. And just like um, school districts, they can have other, um, you know, uh, other policies and, and things of that nature, but federal law is going to trump that. So um, they have their um, special ed manual for parents and they also have a companion document. So those two pieces are really helpful in understanding DODEA special ed, but the process looks the same. You're gonna go through like the pre-referral, um, child find if it's, you know, initial, um, and instead of calling it IEP and something you bring up in a lot of your trainings that that varies state to state, they call it a case study team. Okay, awesome. Um, mm -hmm. Well, that is more information than I ever knew. Um, yep. And you're right. I think it, maybe other podcast guests have not sent me their notes, but um, you also might be the most prepared podcast <laughs> guest because... <laughs> notes lots of notes let's, let's hope I remember it all though <laughs> I love it so another thing when we were kind of prepping for this another thing that you raised which I thought was so interesting is how special education eligibility might actually affect kind of the job placement and I don't speak military so you you give us the military phrasing for this but kind of affect the job placement for the enlisted family member um Tell us about that. I found that super interesting. So um, all, all, um, all members of the military, regardless of, of rank or um, job, if you have a family member on an IEP or with a special medical condition, um, it's a mandatory enrollment for the exceptional family member program. And so um, this program is really great because they work on not only identifying families with special um, educational or medical needs, but they um, deal with assignments and um, also helping families with resources. So what would happen is say my child has an IEP, um, I'm enrolled in this program and they screen, my husband gets orders, they'll screen um, our entire family and if there's an, a special medical or educational need, they'll look at the next duty station and say, Does, can this child's or this person's needs be met at this next duty station? Now, getting back to your question about the job, the needs of the military are always gonna come first. They're called orders for a reason. So, um, you know, you don't really get to necessarily choose where you're going next. And sometimes family members get separated um, if the needs of the military are for that service member to go the family member might have to stay back, especially in an um, overseas situation. Um, you can come unaccompanied. But um, EFMP really does a great job about trying to screen and make sure that um, if they can keep families together, they do. And the miss, there, there are a lot of myths with um, enrolling in EFMP. And I think the program's doing a really good job to kind of debunk all those things. It does not affect the service member's ability to promote um, or to get certain job assignments, it might, they might have to take that job assignment unaccompanied, but it's still a potential that they could get that job assignment. And, you know, I have this really, I don't know if I've ever um, displayed this for you, but I have this very strong patriotism and that just makes me, um, like I got teary when you said that because um, it's so, it makes the sacrifice so much more tangible, um, mm -hmm. to realize that the, the calling of the military, the requirements of the military 
um, are going to trump anything. And so a service member might have to go overseas without their family um, because, and, but how wonderful that the military says, we're going to check this out and see if it's an appropriate mm-hmm. placement for your family member that has a, a certain um, need. So, wow. Um, Another great super thing too, interesting. Uh, about EFMP and just giving this a plug and another plug just for the Marine Corps because we were the first to do it. But um, they now offer, and it's thanks to a lot of um, groundwork and tears, sweat, and probably a little bit of blood from an uh, organization called Partners in Promise. But um, all um, every service branch now has special education attorneys available for their uh, family members, enrolled family members to utilize. Um, and they're working on getting those family members or those um, attorneys spun up with special education. Because as you know, just because you're an attorney doesn't mean you know special ed. And special ed, I feel like is one of those areas of law. I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but that takes not only just reading about it, but you need to not only live it, but also have the experience in the courtroom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you entirely. And it's funny because I used to say that I wouldn't do anything that's administrative law, anything that really is kind of housed in regulations. So that would be like social security work, work comp, um, that kind of stuff. And I had really kind of whittled down our practice, our general practice into just a few things and, and gotten rid of all that administrative law stuff. Um, and then I saw this really strong need for special ed attorneys, particularly in Kentucky, but also in Ohio. And I was like, and we're going to expand a little yeah. bit. Um, but that's a good point. And as you know, I participated in a training um, that rights law collaborated with um, to train military attorneys in special education. And that was such an honor and really eye-opening to me on kind of all of the topics that we're talking about today. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, it sounds like things are getting better and life is getting better. And so, um, so that's good. We, We need people empowered with information. 100%, I agree. So um, back to the um, DODEA school concept. So we know that eligibility is in the process for eligibility is the exact same way. What about services? So once you get that coveted IEP, you get specially designed instruction and you get related services and the accommodations and modifications and all of those other kind of pillars of idea. So are the services different at a DoDEA school than they are at a public school in the States? Um, so again, just like any other school, um, it just depends. It, it really depends on the location. It depends on, you know, the, the school itself. So um, two things with that, um, the EFMP program, again, if you're enrolled, they're going to go ahead and screen and make sure wherever your child goes, those services are available. So if you're coming overseas, does the school on base have those services? If not, then, you know, is, are those services available out in town? You know, the, those type of things. Same with stateside. Um, if you're going to Camp Lejeune, um, is there a school in that area that can service your child? So um, the short answer is it just depends. It depends on the school. It depends on your location. Um, another great resource for that, in addition to EFMP, is the school liaison program. 
So um, being familiar with that as a military family and like contacting them, they are exactly what their name says, the liaison between the military and the school. So not only do they help the installation commands understand the school, but they also are there for the families to provide support. Um, so even if your child's not on an IEP, you can call the school liaison and say, hey, look, I'm moving to, um, I don't know, um, Quantico, Virginia. Can you tell me about the schools in Quantico? And, you know, they would be able to help, you know, determine what school districts are available in the area you're looking to move, um, those types of things. Yeah, that's super great and sounds like another resource that is available. So mm -hmm. it's so interesting to me because, you know, like we're always weighing the equities when we're, when, when a client comes into me and says, gosh, the mm -hmm. school says they can't do this, then I'm thinking, okay, well, why is the school going to say that? Like, if we went to due process, right. what would the school be saying? What are their interests? What are their values? Kind of what's the why behind their position? Mm -hmm. um, and of course, when we're looking at a school that is created only for or, um, enlisted members of the military and their families, and um, oftentimes overseas, then um, the kind of cost benefit might sway in favor of the school because they're going to have less resources, maybe even less resources available to them. Like mm -hmm. how many teachers are there that can teach, um, you know, I don't know, a, a child with autism that speaks English in Kazakhstan? We, right. How and how would we find them? Um, and so you know, there's so so the the balance of the equities shifts. Um, I would imagine, mm -hmm. and so that kind of leads to the next question, and that is, do Dodea schools have to follow IDEA to the strict letter of the law, like they do in the United States? Um, I. Again, Dodea it definitely 100% follows IDEA just because it, for the federal law is going to trump everything. So if they if a service isn't available, um, so say if you, here's an example, say if you're a child, you got out here um, and you your child didn't need this service before, but all of a sudden they need this service. That's again, where EFMP is going to come into play. You might have to update some paperwork and it's like, you know, my child needs X, Y, Z. I, I, I can't even think yeah, of whatever it example, is, yeah. whatever it is. Um, and then they go to the school and the school's like, well, look, Hey, we don't, unfortunately we don't have this service out here. Then there are things like early return of dependence. Like if, um, you know, see, here's a, here's a good black and white example. Your child has a, a, all of a sudden now has a medical need, like a seizure disorder and the school, and medical both can't accommodate your child any longer um, out here in Japan. What they'll do is there's paperwork, medical will send up paperwork, they'll check with the school, all of that paperwork gets put into a package and that package gets sent to your Marines or your service members command. The command will look over it and sign off on it. The EFMP program will look and say, yep, that these services aren't available to this family and the family will get um, can, can get sent back home. Again, that doesn't necessarily mean the service member will go with the family, but you know, anybody you talk to, you know, you're going to want what's best for your child. So even if that is, you know, having to make that sacrifice for three months or a year, you're going to want to get the best care, educational care or medical care for your child. So 
Um, yeah, and I think what's different, like I, I have this like really strong urge to stomp my feet and say no, but I get to stay because of right. whatever. Um, and I mean, again, that's why I led into this question with there's always a balance of the equities. So I am right. certain that with strong advocacy, somebody might be able to convince the military that <clears throat> oh no, there's this person or there's this service or we can sure. waive this right or whatever. I'm 100%. certain that there can be a discussion. Also, don't forget, as you said, they're called orders for a reason. So mm -hmm. ultimately, command can probably tell you what to do, which is different than at school. So if mm -hmm. your command tells you to do something, then that just kind of like, I would think the school decision might be made, um, which gets a little tricky, probably. But at the same time, something so if my if I have listeners that are listening to this just for mm -hmm. an empathy piece and not because they um, are a military family. I think what is different about your family than our families is that you're used to moving so often. So it's not like, oh, well, we have to stay here because this is our community. It is your community and you want to stay with your mom or dad that's going to stay there and be enlisted. But like you were saying, you just have to weigh all the equities as a family and decide what's best for your child, right? Right. No. And and again, you know, the EFMP program, I know it gets a bad rap. That's all right, bud. Um, <laughs> I love the, it. This is, it's supposed <laughs> to feel like friends sitting around. And so it, now we've it, got it, a friend, an indeed. additional friend. <laughs> he could probably add some really valuable, uh, valuable insight. But, um, you know, EFMP gets a bad rap a lot because I think in the past, they didn't do a very good job of being transparent about, you know, all the good they can do, right? So, EFMP is there to help and, and they're going to help give you that equitable education, whether, you know, whether it's as a family unit as a whole or individual individually as like one parent and, you know, the children or child. But again, their goal is to keep the family unit together because all of that affects readiness. And their goal too, is to keep the, the service member ready to do their job. And by doing that, you have to support the family. Good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I definitely know that as a whole, our military is doing a much better job at supporting the whole person. So that is um, a wonderful thing. So let's talk about military life as it applies to having children with disabilities. That's a, mm -hmm. a great segue to that. Um, how does military life kind of in general affect um, the children that have disabilities and are on IEPs? So, you know, there are highly, we're a highly mobile group. I mean, everybody, kids, parents, <laughs> right? So the moving in and of itself, like you can say, I think, you know, Jack has been in the same school district since birth, right? So yes. you, you're able to develop relationships, which to me in special education is the most important thing, foundation relationships. I mean, that is gonna make a huge difference in how your IEP team operates, um, you know, negotiating, um, all of the things. So I, I feel for military families, the biggest thing is the fact that they are constantly trying to re reform those relationships and um, kind of, you know, getting to know your child. Uh, I love, you know, the All About Me book is one of my favorite, one of your resources and the podcast episode, um, you know, just kind of giving a little shout out to that. 
because um, I, a couple weeks ago, I had a friend and her daughter's on an IEP and I said, Hey, look, can we do this? Will you send me a picture of your daughter? Like here, answer these questions. Like, I'm just going to throw together this document. And if you like it, cool, you can use it. And if not, like my feelings won't be hurt. I love doing this stuff. I'm a huge nerd. So she said, sure. So I do it. I send it to her and she was like, oh my gosh, this is wonderful. She takes it to school. Now, granted, this child was in the school last year, same school. Um, and her teacher said, wow, I've never received anything like this before. And I said, I mean, it, and she said, it, you know, her teacher was grateful because it gives the parent the opportunity to form the narrative. And especially in this situation where we're moving so much, um, not that you want last year's teacher giving the next year's teacher the gouge, right? Like as a special educator, like I don't want to hear from last year's teacher. Like, great, give me your your notes, but I'm probably not going to read them. I want to find out for myself. I want to talk to the family myself, right? Um, and and develop my own. You can have blue gummies. Um, so those relationships are the biggest piece for military kids on IEPs, the moving. And the second part of that has to do with, like you were talking about equitable resources, you move and then it's like, okay, the new school has to honor, you have more blue gummies. Um, the new school it. has to honor the IEP, right? And there's law right. about that. And I'm sure you can quote the law. And I, I know for sure Dodea, I saw it in their companion manual, like has X amount of days to review, um, you know, to accept the IEP, to, you know, do another, um, their own evaluation, all of the things. But if you think about it, like, okay, you're moving. So you're without services while you're moving, depending on how long that takes. And then you get to a new school and they're trying to figure out what they have that's comparable, right? To what's in your IEP. Yeah, and good then, point. Oh, wait, we wanted, we want to write our own IEP. So now, you know, and I will say the one good thing about Dodea is they all use the same IEP document. So it, that's great. Like you go Dodea to Dodea, it's easy to go through the, the document and like see what's going on. You know, like I, when I moved to Yuma, um, even though I had experience as a special ed teacher already, I got, you know, set down to the IEP program and I'm like, wait a minute, where do I put this? Or where does right. this go? Or I'd get to a meeting and they'd be like, or I, not a meeting, but I'd go to submit my paperwork and, you know, the, the office would send it back and they'd be like, oh, you forgot to check, you know, this box. And I'm like, I didn't even know that box existed. So um, the one good thing about Dodea, there are many, but one of them is that they use the same document. So when moving that helps, and I'm sure that helps with um, making the streamlining the services more seamless. Sure. Um, so that is definitely moving with an IEP military, I would say, building those relationships and getting your services started and continued are probably two of the biggest issues. And then of course, making friends and finding new doctors and therapists and, and, the, and the whole thing. You know, I think that's really interesting um, because you're right. I mean, what I preach here is communicate, 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 the whole relationship piece. And when you cannot do that because you are moving so frequently, you really have to up the ante. So another thing yeah. that I would encourage people to do is to really be more involved to the extent that you can, because you yeah. know, you're moving all the time and you've got a lot of other things going on as a military parent, but, um, 
to the extent that you can be really involved in your child's education, because Mm -hmm. you then, like I always say, parents are the general contractors, but you have to take all of the information and take it to the next place. So like, right. Oh yeah. They tried that. And here was the outcome or, Mm -hmm. um, yes, the computer program says that he's reading on a second grade level, but we know that he's emerging fourth grade. Um, and here's how we know it, like to really be able to communicate with knowledge and like concrete nitty gritty details will also help you to bridge some of those gaps. There's going to be gaps, but I mean, I think that is like really, really important. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and almost vital to a child's success. Well, I like how you were giving specific examples and, and one thing, you know, we, we highly recommend hand carrying all your important documents when you're PCSing, whether it's an IEP, your medical documents, shot records. I mean, no matter if one duty station or one school says they're going to send your kids documents, you don't want, you want to be in charge. You want to be in control of that. So the IEP binder is a great way to do that. And one thing I love to put in mine are like work samples. So then you can go to the school because, you know, like everybody thinks their child's the best and you want to be objective, but you know, sometimes I could see a school being like, Oh, okay, Mrs. Smith. Well, sure. Your, your kids, you know, an ace at math, but if you're like, look here, you know, it's not just a test score. Like this is his work or, you know, right. um, I think work samples are huge. Oh, or letters particularly. Well, yeah. And particularly because kids on IEPs have such, um, inconsistent or sometimes even unbelievable results, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm thinking about um, a few of my clients that are on the autism spectrum that read like you wouldn't believe, Mm -hmm. but have an attention span that is like, you know, eight minutes long. And so school doesn't get to see that they can read because it takes a second to get them conditioned to read and then Mm -hmm. to actually read and then to think about responses to reading comprehension questions, et cetera. Um, And so like to describe all of those little nuances about our beautifully funky (laughs) situation as it applies to each unique child um, is really onerous. Um, Mm -hmm. And so maybe that's another tip is kind of writing down all of those beautifully funky things. um, Right. No. And like, you know, just kind of trying to keep a running list of like, this is how we say these words, or this is like, people would never believe this about my child, that kind of thing. Um, We'll go get pizza later. Oh my gosh. I love this. We're hearing all. He's so hungry. (laughs) (laughs) I promise I feed him. This is great. I love it. You can have a banana. So Carla, do you have um, resources that you could share with families that could help them navigate the special ed process? Um, So there, as military, I feel like we're, we're super lucky, right? I mean, you Google, anybody Googles, right? That's probably the worst. Your doctor tells you not to do it. Everybody tells you not to do it, but I feel like in the military, yes, you could Google all this stuff, but there are like tried and true resources that, you know, hundred percent work. And one of them, Pete Wright, I know you love Pete. And um, I was, you know, fangirl moment when I got to meet him in ISCA virtually, but um, Pete Wright has a great um, section on his website for military. 
um, like I mentioned before, school, the school liaison, the EFMP program, there's a program called MIC3. Um, and what they help do, it's a, a compact. And so if you're moving, um, one again, when kind of touching back on um, the struggle is sometimes if you move mid-year, have you, have you reached the date where all of your credits are going to transfer? And more so for high school, but like even elementary, right? There's a, a certain cutoff where you have to make it to Christmas break or you're going to start kindergarten over again. Or you're going to start first grade over again or whatever the case may be. So that's tough with mid-year moves. So like MIC3 is a great organization um, to help kind of navigate those type of things. That helps with, um, I think it's graduation, eligibility, um, the transfer of credits, um, all of those things. It even helps. They've taken a look at extracurriculars too sometimes. So like if um, a child was involved in like varsity basketball or, or, or those type of things. So they're there to help and all 50 states are a part of that compact. Um, so that's really great. So MIC3, EFMP, all these acronyms, right? It's like special ed. <laughs> special I know. Ed. I'm wondering, can you send me websites that we could put into our show notes? Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, that okay. would be, that would be great. Um, Pete Wright, Military One Source is a great resource. Um, one of my favorite organizations and um, it, kind of a funny backstory to it. When I was working on base in North Carolina, um, we became a pilot program for this um, this organization. They, they were like bringing this military guide. So they like dropped off or sent or contacted us. I don't even remember. And I, I got the girl's card and I saved it. Um, so let's see, that was like 2010. So 2018, we moved back to Virginia and I'm like, Hey, organization for autism research is in Virginia. I'm going to go work for them. Like, this is my dream. So I pull out the business card that's been in my wallet for eight years now. And I, you know, I, I don't, I think I emailed the girl, um, and it might've just been like the general email address on her business card. So they're like, she no longer works here. So I looked her up on LinkedIn. I'm like, Hey, I have your business card from eight years ago. Kind of creepy. Maybe, I don't know. But, um, so she got me involved with, or is the, the acronym organization for autism research. And my, my passion for them is that they have, um, not only is it autism, but they have a guide for military families. So yes, it's specific to autism and it addresses all these great autism resources, but it also walks military families through that process. And they also have a companion website, um, operationautism.org, I believe, but we'll put it in the show notes too. Um, but they have a, a whole section on PCS, PCSing, permanent change of station, AKA moving. Um, so they have a whole section on just moving. It's a great thing for teachers. Oh, awesome. They have, yeah, all these resources for teachers, um, for families not in the military. I love it. So they're a great resource. Um, and then there's an organization called Stomp. It's, oh gosh, I'm going to mess this up now. Specialized training of military parents. So they have some free trainings. Um, and then Partners in Promise is an organization that I volunteer with also. They are great. Their, um, their big thing is telling stories of military families in special education. So the way they do that is through their survey, which is coming out soon. Um, and that is really, they 
that's the, the meat and potatoes, right? They're going to get all of this data and stories from military families. And then they analyze all this data and then they know what to um, kind of advocate for. Okay. And so we know okay. that um, Partners in Promise also exists because you talked about that before. So tell us about Partners in Promise. So Partners in Promise is great because they take data from these surveys and there, there are new surveys coming out in the next couple of months. So please head over to their website, social media, um, so you don't miss out on that. But they're gonna tell the stories of military families in special ed, what the needs are, um, the inadequacies, the good things, all of the things. Um, and they're the reason, honestly, um, back last year's um, National Defense Authorization Act, when they went ahead and signed that in, Partners in Promise had 50% of their initiatives included in that Authorization Act. One of them was the lawyers, special ed attorneys for all service branches and standardizing EFMP. So EFMP is a great program. However, depending on your branch of service, it could differ slightly. So Partners in Promise, great organization out there to tell military family stories. Awesome. That is wonderful. Thank and, you. Well, oh, oh yeah. no, before, before you cut me off, I got to give you a special <laughs> shout out. So I'm over here in Japan trying to like, I'm a PD nerd. So I find out you're doing special education advocacy lab. And even after doing ISEA, I'm like, I want to dig in some more. So, uh, you know, a small group of us go ahead and we're in your advocacy lab. And the great thing about this lab, and I, I recommend it to my friends, to teachers, parents, um, is that you can dig in whenever, like, and it's self-paced and you get so much. I wish I had my binder here. I printed, I mean, it's, it's probably like a three inch binder full of like, you give us so much information, but you can dig in whenever while you're drinking your coffee, while you're drinking your wine at night. <laughs> while your husband's gone, it doesn't matter. While your kid is having a meltdown, you can, <laughs> right. you could um, dig in whenever. Oh. So thank you for that program. It's super valuable. And I highly recommend it to, uh, to anybody that oh, is looking well. to, you know, gain more knowledge in the area. Thank you. I'll um, send your $5 and an envelope <laughs> to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, this is not a paid endorsement. <laughs> Carla, thank you so much. Your wisdom and your experience are really um, a special gift to my audience. This has been an absolute pleasure. Um, I hope you'll come back and we can talk about some more issues soon. Oh, thank you for having me. Will you want to say bye? <laughs> oh, now William's going to be quiet. <laughs> thank you, Ashley. <laughs>